Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board's podcast. I'm your host, Leah Zarek, and today we will be discussing recent changes to the MSRB's governance that tighten the standards for selecting members and reduce the size of our board of directors. Well, I very much believe in regulation in a capitalistic system, but it is important that regulators periodically look carefully at themselves and make sure that they are properly governed and in a way that can enable them to operate most effectively in discharging their duties. That's Bob Brown, a public representative on the board of directors of the MSRB, and the person who led the charge on enhancing MSRB governance as chair of the board's governance review special committee. Before we dive into the ways in which the board of directors of the MSRB will look very different next year, Bob, I'd love to hear a bit about your life before the MSRB. How did you come to know and love the municipal market, and what drew you to public service on the MSRB's board? Leah, I've always been interested from as long ago as I can remember in government and public policy. And as I got older, I became intrigued by finance and realized that finance and policy are intimately linked. What you decide about what you want to spend money on and how you'll pay for it has a huge impact on what you can do from a policy standpoint. So, That really is what got me into public finance because my clients were government agencies and the work I did for them involved major policy decisions in many cases. And from there, I found out about the MSRB, the important role it plays as a regulator of the market that all those state and local governments use. And so as I got into the later years of my career, I decided to apply for a membership on the MSRB, and I was gratified to be selected. It's been a fascinating four years I've had with the MSRB. Thanks, Bob. And yes, so you've come near the end of your four-year term of service on the board. So as you're winding down that term, what stands out most to you from your time with us on the board? I really think it has driven home to me the importance of this market, of this segment of the American capital markets to state and local governments, and the importance of that market functioning effectively. MSRB is the regulator for that market. It is the entity that makes sure that that market does serve state and local governments. And those are the governments that are closest to the people they do very important work. School districts, water systems, sewer systems, housing, all sorts of programs like that, as well as higher education, both public and private, which is what I was in at the end of my career. All of those activities at the state and local government are affected by the tax-exempt capital markets and It's MSRB's role to make sure that that market functions effectively. That's so true. And I know it's a mission that we hold dear at the staff level as well. And we're joined today by Jake Lesser, who's the MSRB's Deputy General Counsel. Here at the MSRB, Jake leads the team responsible for governance and corporate legal matters. So welcome, Jake. Why don't you start by giving our listeners a little legal education on the framework for the MSRB's governance? Thanks, Leah. The MSRB's governance framework starts with the Securities Exchange Act, which defines broad contours of the board, including that it be 15 members. 
although the board can increase that number to another odd number. The board must have a public majority, meaning that the majority of board members need to be independent of the entities that the board regulates, which are dealers and municipal advisors. The board has to be as evenly divided as possible between public members and regulated members. Regulated members are board members that are associated with a dealer or a municipal advisor. All board members have to be knowledgeable of matters related to the municipal securities markets. And then the statute describes uh, minimum numbers of board members within specific categories. And so for the public board members, there needs to be at least one investor, one issuer, and one member of the public with knowledge of or experience in the municipal industry. And for regulated members, there needs to be at least one municipal advisor, one dealer, and one bank dealer. And then the MSRB's rules, specifically Rule A3, flesh out the details of the board process for selecting members as well as the specific size and composition. Great. Thank you, Jake. So we'll talk today about how those MSRB rules are changing in the upcoming fiscal year. But this is not the first time the board size and composition changed significantly. The Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act of 2010 had fairly big ramifications for the board. Isn't that right, Bob? Yes, Leah. The Dodd-Frank Act fundamentally changed the MSRB Historically, the MSRB was created by legislation, the Securities Act's amendments in the mid-70s, in 1975, for the first time created a regulator for the municipal market. And at the time MSRB was created, that board was a majority of regulated industry representatives. There were 10 members who were from the regulated industry and just five public members. And after four decades of experience with that regulatory model, Congress decided in the Dodd-Frank legislation that the board should instead be a majority public. And so it rewrote the original MSRB legislation to provide that the membership on the board had to be a majority public, but as evenly divided as possible. So it was not heavily weighted to the public side in the same way the original legislation had heavily weighted it to the regulated side. Two other important changes that Dodd-Frank made were to bring municipal advisors, financial advisors, which have become very important in state and local government finance, brought them under the regulatory purview of MSRB. So now municipal advisors along with banks and broker-dealers, are regulated by MSRB. And it also changed the mission of MSRB, the mandate, not only to protect investors and the public interest, but also to protect issuers. And that is really unique in capital markets regulation. There is not a corresponding protection for corporate issuers. In fact, generally, I think one could say that the Securities Acts are designed really to protect investors from issuers. And that was really why the Securities Acts in the first place were put in place. But because of the uniqueness of issuers in the tax-exempt market, the municipal market, those issuers are state and local governments. The Dodd-Frank statute now charges MSRB with protecting them as well. 
Many of those issuers, some are large, sophisticated issuers like California or New York, major states like that, big cities like Chicago and Atlanta, but many are small local school districts and local governments and counties that might come to the capital markets once every three years or five years. They do not have the sophistication or the experience in dealing in those markets. And so this, to my mind, was a very wise change in the Dodd-Frank legislation to bring the protection of issuers to the fore in the mission of MSRB. Thank you, Bob. So 2010 really led to major changes for our board. And now a decade later, the board is about to change significantly again. Can you tell us more about why the board prioritized governance for fiscal year 2020 and chose to stand up this new special committee last fall to tackle this important project? Well, I very much believe in regulation in a capitalistic system, but it is important that regulators periodically look carefully at themselves and make sure that they are properly governed and in a way that can enable them to operate most effectively in discharging their duties. And so the MSRB has periodically looked at its governance rules, its administrative rules, And that is an area, actually, as it turns out, that generates enormous interest from the many constituencies that MSRB has. We always get a lot of comments when we look at those rules. We had not done it for several years. This also happened to be a time when we were getting some criticism and some interest from members of the United States Senate. And so it seemed to be a very good time for us to take a look at the board. The board had increased its size beyond the original statutory size of 15 about a decade ago, really to address some of the new mandates that were created by Dodd-Frank. Some of that work had now been done a decade later, and we really felt that the board could go back to being a smaller board. There was, as I say, some interest in the United States Senate in seeing us as a smaller board. I think at 21, that's sometimes a little bit of a cumbersome board, and I think we felt that the board could operate a little more effectively and a little cheaper as well and a little easier for the staff to work with by being smaller. But we also looked at other governance practices. And one of the most important changes that we have made in the rulemaking that has just been approved by the SEC is to extend the period of separation between people who have worked in the industry and then want to come on the board as public members, not as regulated members. In the past, we had felt two years was sufficient. That has been a source of some criticism by public interest groups and also some elected officials have been skeptical that those members were sufficiently separated from the regulated industry, sufficiently independent in their thinking and their approach to regulation to be truly a public member. I will say MSRB's experience, I'm not sure, has shown that that is a problem, but it is very important in regulation that the public is satisfied regulation, is independent, is thoughtful, is well-conceived. So we have made this change. We have extended the independence requirement to five years. I think that really eliminates any doubt 
in anyone's mind that people who have been five years away from employment in the regulated industry cannot be independent. And I think that will be very important and valuable to the MSRB going forward in convincing the public that we are an independent regulator. And Bob, you mentioned constituents having a lot of input into the process and and comments to us. We certainly find that the municipal market is very active and participatory in the MSRB's rulemaking process. And our typical process does include public requests for comment on proposed amendments to MSRB rules. How would you describe the process that the special committee took to develop and finalize the governance rule changes that you're talking about today? We do have very much a public process. That is the way rulemaking works in the MSRB, Leah. And we did have a solicitation of comments from the public this past year. We spent the first several months of the year drafting a proposed rule, and then we put it out for public comment. Leah, you were actually very much involved in that. We actively solicited comment from the many stakeholders that MSRB has, as well as public interest groups who have followed us and are keeping a close eye on whether MSRB is fulfilling its statutory mandate to regulate in the public interest. All of those groups were affirmatively solicited to comment on our rules, and all of them did comment. All of the groups we consider traditionally to be stakeholders as well as public interest groups that follow our affairs. We got comments from them. As it turned out, we were running right into the teeth of the onset of the pandemic, so we extended the comment period. Many MSRB rulemakings have only a 30-day comment period. We, from the beginning, wanted to make sure we gave people plenty of time, and we set the comment period for this rulemaking at 60 days. And then when the pandemic started, we extended it again another 30 days so that people had 90 days to comment. And we received lots of comments, and they were very thoughtful comments from 11 different firms, industry groups, former MSRB members, and as I say, public interest groups representing local governments, labor unions, people like that. So I think it was a very effective process the way a rulemaking process in our system ought to work. Thanks, Bob. And Jake, what were some of the comments that we heard from stakeholders in this process? Well, we heard a wide range of perspectives on the five-year separation period that Bob mentioned, as well as the board composition requirements in the rule. Some commenters noted that if the MSRB were to immediately move to a 15-member board, which was the original plan, it would only have one issuer member next year. And it's important that the issuer perspective be adequately represented, particularly currently because of the ongoing pandemic and its effects on state and local issuers. So the MSRB modified the original plan to reduce the size of the board so that Next year, we'll include a second representative from the issuer community. So pursuant to that plan, the board is going to move to 17 members in fiscal year 2021 before ultimately shrinking to 15 members thereafter. 
Thanks, Jake. And so with that important adjustment as a result of stakeholder feedback, the special committee recommended these governance amendments to the full board for approval. But then the board's vote is not the end of the process for an SRO like the MSRB. Isn't that right, Jake? That's right. MSRB rules are subject to review by the SEC, and that's an important part of the process for self-regulatory organizations like the MSRB. The SRO model combines government and industry responsibility for regulation. SROs with specialized expertise in the particular industry they regulate make the rules as authorized by the statute. And the SEC provides oversight and ensures that those rules are consistent with the requirements of the securities laws. So the MSRB filed its amendments to rules A3 and A6, which are the rules that include the provisions that Bob described with the SEC in June. As part of the SEC approval process, the SEC publishes the rules for comment as well. So that provided an additional opportunity for stakeholders to have input before the rules were finalized. And on August 5th, the SEC issued an order approving the MSRB's rules, and those rules are going to take effect with our new fiscal year beginning on October 1st of this year. So what does the SEC's approval of these rule changes mean for how the board is going to look in that new fiscal year starting in October? Well, next year will be a transitional year in 2021 with 17 members on the board. The board voted to extend the terms of two members, an issuer member and a regulated member, to accomplish that. This addresses the point that commenters made about how if we went with the original plan to immediately reduce the board size to 15, only one of our current two issuers would remain on the board. So the board decided to have a transitional year and to do so extend the term of Julia Cooper, who is the director of finance for the city of San Jose to serve as a public member representing issuers. The board also extended Ed Sisk, the current board chair and managing director, head of public finance at B of A Securities for another one-year term as a regulated member. And that will ensure that the 17-member transitional board will include two issuer representatives out of its nine public members, and also, as required by Congress, will continue to be as closely divided and numbered between public and regulated representatives. Bob, do you want to share the board's other news for fiscal year 2021? Well, we just had our election, Jake, and Ed Sisk was elected to serve a second year as board chair. I have really enjoyed working with Ed during my time on the board. I think he has been a terrific chair during a year that has been very challenging We have had, obviously, a lot of strain on the market generated by the pandemic and the stress on state and local governments who are the issuers that we protect. And I think that it's also been a time at the MSRB where we have had a lot of change there. We are bringing a new CEO in. That search process is underway and nearing conclusion And I believe it will be very valuable to the MSRB and to our staff to have that continuity in board leadership. We also, in the past year, the chair of our board was Ed as a regulated member, and the vice chair was Manju Ganerwala, who is a public member. She is the Virginia State Treasurer. In the new year, we will continue to have the regulated public division in our leadership with Ed continuing as chair and Julia Cooper, who, as Jake just mentioned, is the director of finance 
for the city of San Jose, California, has been elected as the vice chair. So we will have both a regulated and a public member in the board leadership in fiscal year 2021. Well, thank you to Bob and Jake for this window into board governance. What I'd like to do is wrap up with one more question for you, Bob. You know, what's the long-term goal of these governance enhancements? How do these changes help further our mission at the MSRB to protect investors, issuers, and the public interest? Well, Leah, I mentioned how important I think it is for the regulator itself to be taking a look at itself periodically. I'm a capitalist. I very much believe in capitalism and the many benefits it brings to American society. But for capitalism to flourish, there needs to be vigorous, effective regulation. And it is critically important that MSRB continue to look at ways it can improve itself in the way it governs itself so that it can be an effective regulator. I think the the governance changes we have made in the current rulemaking process and throughout the work that the governance committee and the board have done during the past year will be part of that continuing improvement in our governance processes going forward. And I hope that the next few years when I will not be around, I'm leaving the board next month, but I hope that the next few years will prove me to be right about that. So we can't entice you to return for another term on the board, Bob? Well, unfortunately, the committee, which I chaired, Leah, decided that we are not re-electing people to the board anymore. We, in the past, have had people who have served a couple of terms, and the committee decided and the board agreed that it would be in the interest of continuing reinvigorating the MSRB to have a steady turnover in board members. And so board members now do not stand for re-election under our new rules, which take effect October 1st. Well, you will be missed. Thank you, Bob, for your leadership of this really important FY2020 initiative. And thank you for taking the time to chat with me and with Jake about what the board has accomplished. Thank you, Leah. I've enjoyed it. You've met Emma, but how well do you know her? The official source for municipal securities data and disclosure documents, Emma also provides tools for investors, issuers, and municipal market professionals. Check municipal market yield curves and indices, a calendar of new issues coming to market, statistics on the most actively traded securities, and much more. All for free. Visit Emma today. The information provided in this MSRB podcast is intended for educational purposes only and provides a general overview of the subject matter. The content of the podcast is not intended to provide and does not constitute legal, investment, tax, business, or other advice and is not an MSRB rule or an amendment to or an interpretation to any MSRB rule. Compliance with conduct recommended in the podcast does not mean that a firm or individual has complied fully with obligations under the MSRB rules other self-regulatory rules, or laws or regulations. The MSRB podcasts are the sole property of the MSRB. You may access and download the MSRB podcast only for educational, non-commercial use. You may not reproduce them in whole or in part in any form or reference them in any publication without the MSRB's prior written consent. Copyright 2020, the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board, all rights reserved. Thank you for listening to the MSRB podcast.